the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. back <laughs> and on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy and I'm joined with uh, some of my favorite loves uh, Jamie and Saima and last time you guys went by I think Starfleet man and Starfleet girl but we were having a debate about yeah, it. Yeah it was a bit of a... So am I renamed to Starfleet woman? It's you. I think it's your choice Saima. <laughs> What about lady? Ooh, Starfleet lady. That appeals to me. Starfleet. I think you are Starfleet lady. Starfleet. We got a new name. I mean, there are a number of things. It could have been Starfleet dame, Mademoiselle Starfleet. (laughs) Well, I'm not a dame. I guess not yet. (laughs) I. You could, yeah, you could soon be a dame or even a, I think a lady's higher than a dame or, or is it the other way around? Oh, I don't know. Probably. The late, the ladies, Saima. <laughs> 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 Sounds much better. There's anyways, no debate Starfleet about lady. me being Starfleet man, I guess. Yeah, except we have another Starfleet man, but it's a pun. Oh, right on. Because his, his name's Mike Mann, so he's also a Starfleet oh. man. So then so. maybe I should be the Duke of Starfleet. I think I could I like be the lady also. and he's the duke. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that. Or you could be or you could be Starfleet Lord. Ooh. Starfleet Lord sense. I feel like that title is probably suited to you. Like No, no, I'm Starfleet voice. I, it's no, already branded and co- but I feel like, copyrighted. I was gonna say carbon copy. <laughs> well, I, I feel like uh you might graduate from Starfleet Boy to Starfleet Lord once you finish all seven seasons <laughs> of Star Trek. That's I I love that, and I think I'll uh, I'll definitely take it. So, <laughs> very good. Uh, th- we're gonna talk about the episode sur- "The Survivors" today, which is season three, episode three. And uh, something very interesting is I knew what this episode is. It's one of my favorites. I love this episode a lot, but I didn't remember the title. So last week I was just like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna come up to this the survivors." I don't know what it's about, but I actually did end up knowing what it's about, and. Uh, Basically, in a nutshell, to do the summary. Or would you guys like to do the summary? Because I always offer it. I'm good. Yeah, you know what? You can go ahead and do the summary. You do it so well. (laughs) All right. So the crew of the Enterprise gets a distress call. That's how a lot of episodes start. And uh, they answer it, and they find a ravaged planet uh, with the exception of one little tiny patch of uh, life and... uh, 
they find the whole thing's really bizarre and weird, and they discover that living on this little patch of uh, vegetation is Kevin and Rashawn Uxbridge, and they're a mystery to the crew because the whole planet is destroyed except this perfect little patch. Uh, Kevin and Rashawn seem totally oblivious to the destruction around them and are a little bit surprised as to why uh, the crew of the Enterprise even care. And if it gets even weirder, uh, Counselor Troy suddenly starts hearing strange music in her head. Not strange, actually. It's like a... What do you call it's, those things? Um, it's like a... a music uh, box. M- exactly. Thank yeah. you. She hears a music box tune over and over, which would drive anyone insane. It's, you know... Right. Uh, understandably. Yeah. But she starts to go insane and uh, so Captain Picard's in quite a conundrum, and then out of nowhere appears this like gigantic ship with like the, according to the uh, episode, the armament to destroy a planet. So it's like Death Star yeah. <laughs> level yeah. <laughs> destruction, but it seems totally harmless. Nothing's adding up, and so then they finally figure out that Kevin. Uxbridge has been creating this whole illusion and uh, that everyone on the planet, including uh, his uh, lovely wife, are dead and that he's some kind of um, immortal being that can control things in ways that we would consider godlike. And not only did uh, Kevin, not only that, Kevin also, uh, after his wife died, went crazy and he basically uh, destroyed an entire race. The crew's just like WTF. Uh, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing in our laws that can judge you. So go back to playing. Uh, you know, pretend on the planet, and we'll be on our way later. So yeah, that was the. <laughs> that was the episode. Yeah, I. I mean, am I jumping ahead? If I just give my thoughts. No, off the top? this is now. Great, excellent. This is the discussion. So go. Yeah, I. Um, <laughs> so, this is actually one of your favorite episodes of the show? Yeah, when I was a kid, uh, the romance really struck me. And um, I found, and actually, like, the, the whole, like, love part, like, these two, they grew old together. And, like, he's, like, this uh, being that, it, just the idea of, like, how love transcends, like, species mm-hmm. and, like, immortality even. And, yeah. like, it's just this, like, kind of cool concept. So, anyways... That really appealed to me as a kid, and I just loved it. I, you know, I've always thought, I, I think very highly of the um, uh, couple that's grown old together trope or, or you yeah. know, archetype yeah. or whatever. And um, <laughs> and so that all, you know, added up. So when I saw it again, all those feelings actually came back up, and I got, like, all teary-eyed oh, wow. and everything watching it. Yeah, it was, like, all, like... <laughs> Yeah, what's gonna happen? Yeah, I mean, I I, I see. I came in. I don't have any nostalgia for this episode, Uh, and I found it. Is this was this the first time you guys saw it? It was my first time. Oh, right on. Yeah, it was my first time seeing this episode, and uh, I found it to be very telly. Like there was just a lot of exposition in most scenes, right up till the end, right up until the very last scene with. Yeah, it's a, it's a deep, heavy episode. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation would be like deep and heavy, but show you things and kind of have more subtleties. This was very much like, let's just get back to Captain Picard and and this uh, gentleman on the planet, and, and and either one of them would just talk and talk and talk and talk and reveal to the all these details to the audience. Uh, and I found, yeah, I found that to be like really weak. There are some things that I loved and that kind of really interested me. 
Well, I can, can I cut in? Because they did, they talked and they talked and there's a lot of dialogue. But in a way, you can tell that Captain Picard knew what was going on. And I kind of felt stupid. Cause I'm like, oh, there's so much info out there. And I can't figure out what's happening and yet he's figured it out and so in a way I like that they're giving you all this information because you're like oh the tools are out there and I can figure out what's going on too I did I did not but I mean I kind of like so do you think so so you think that the show did a good job with the like mystery reveal aspect but Jamie you thought it was tedious yeah I thought it was I thought it was tedious I actually at one point in the episode thought it's not interesting to watch Captain Picard be a detective. Uh, no, I, I oh my god, it. that's like you're gonna have to get used to it if you're gonna watch Star Trek though, because that's his right. alter ego is is the detective Dixon. Which Hill, is interesting, yeah. but it's just that his whole thing <laughs> is uh, that he he always knows he he knows what's really going on, so he just he just kind of slowly exposes everything. I don't think he, I don't think, I think he, he may have idea. had a hunch or an idea, yeah. but I don't think he really knew until the very ending. I, I got the I impression, got, and, and I got the impression that he was like still figuring things out. And you knew when he like, cause he says in the episode, he goes, um, it, and again, you're totally right. There's so much information in this episode, but, um, he says in this one scene that he planted basically the only option possible for the enterprise to leave the planet in Kevin Uxbridge's mind and Kevin Uxbridge delivered the exact scenario and that's when Captain Picard was like oh yeah this is bullshit like everything I said that needed to happen for me to leave the planet is happening like within and it is kind of bullshit and kind of obvious because even as an audience member, like I would have left them hanging up there for like a two a month period or longer, you know, right. like I would have done like, you know, something that wouldn't have been as obvious. But it's like right as soon as they beam back aboard the ship, all of a sudden a spaceship comes and blows up the house. And yeah, that's it. You know, like makes it seem like they died. So I I think I think that I think that like the the part the part where I think that um the show this episode wins is uh, on one level it's like very science fictiony i mean like the idea of what kevin nextbridge is i wish they could have spent more time i i kind of like thought that's a really cool story like mm-hmm. in and of itself like even if you just like wanted to do a science fiction show about an immortal being that gives up its gives up its pa- uh, an immortal powerful be- all powerful being that gives up its powers to l- to basically grow old with a woman, a human woman who's not immortal. Uh, that idea was really yeah, compelling I mean, for me. That's but, a good story yeah. in and of itself. It's a story that's been done a few times. There have been yeah, a, I mean, it's a yeah, classic. I mean, yeah. what was it? Tuck Everlasting? Am I am I thinking of oh, the right that film? What? Yes. <laughs> is that? I'm thinking even way back, like Greek and kind of like mythology type yeah. things. You know, like we've kind of had those like ideas in our in our mythology for a long time too it's like the gods descending to you know to like fall in love with a a mortal yeah. you know mm-hmm. back then it was like mortals versus you know versus immortals What's that and movie? stuff like that uh nicholas cage oh city of angels what oh, a classic yeah, yeah, take <laughs> on that story classic take <laughs> what i do like about the star trek take on this kind of i guess you know story or myth or this idea is that there, there is until Star Trek, it's been more 
a god like mm-hmm. you know like the story has been told like a god descends or like an immortal you know being from our own human mythology but here's a creature that like completely is just uh, in the universe like an alien species like there are others of its kind like it's it can be assumed that that's just how evolution favored this species and what he actually looks like is something completely unknown to us he's taken on human form and he even says in one uh uh portion of the episode he says something along the lines of like uh i'm a being called the um the Daoed. and so he identifies himself and he's like i have the ability to uh create illusion uh, you know in any way and so it's yeah. like an amazing kind of being of its own and then when you find out that he also can do things like destroy an entire species uh, Species like everywhere they are, all the Hushnak in all of the universe, yeah. in all of the galaxy, were completely just died, just dropped dead for no reason <laughs> or disappeared, even. Yeah, you know, I don't know how it like manifested, but that was kind of a cool thing. That was a really interesting part of the episode, like you mentioned, uh, when he basically admitted to having wiped out an entire race, uh. Uh, Picard's response was really interesting, and I th- you you mentioned this in the the, the synopsis of the episode, but uh, just basically the crew were basically like we we don't know what to do about that. Just please leave. Um, it was an interesting way to end the episode. I thought it was be- because I think it would have been more. It would have been easier to be, like, morally absolute and be like, you're a monster, genocide, and, right. you know, turn it into a PSA <laughs> at the end. Uh, which, of course, it's a, it's a horrible thing, but, um, but, but the way they just approached the, 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 the grandness of it by realizing that it was beyond this crew's kind of bandwidth in terms of what they can actually uh, be the judge of... That was a really interesting concept, and it, that actually, to me, was one of the most interesting parts of the episode... Uh, yeah, I, I think so too. I like to relate it to like, imagine for a second that you could have the ability, like if you had his power, let's say on a, on a different, like in a different scenario and you wiped out, let's say all the Nazis in World War II and like maybe not just all the Nazis, but maybe you wiped out all the German people, right. you know, or something like that. And, and so how do you judge someone that has that power? You know, like what? they can only judge themselves really right so his punishment to himself who knows what it is but it's like we have no way as as a human to execute any kind of judgment right or or you know and so but in i also think and i don't know what you think um and i'd be curious like in a way i feel picard and crusher almost feel like it's a horrifying thing but it's almost like something that they can understand maybe even uh pardon or excuse from a moralistic standpoint because it is not it you know it's a horrible thing he did but he wiped out what sounded like the equivalent of space like nazis you know this like like vicious a vicious like uh race of beings i mean he himself is a pacifist and didn't even fight during the whole thing you know so that kind of tells you that he tries to take the the moral 
ground or the moral high ground, if you will, you know, yeah. knowing the power he has, he like opts not to use it, you know, no matter what. And then what triggers him, unfortunately, is and and understandably so the loss of his beloved, you know. And so it, it's a very complex uh, kind of story. And I think that's another thing that I loved about it is just like what's great about episodes like this for me is that you think about the episode the episode might not be as significant in my opinion like there's not a lot of excitement there's not even like as many cool visuals as there could have been which by the way we got to talk about the visuals <laughs> <laughs> but i find years later i'm still thinking about it um and maybe you know uh, maybe you will too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's do this again in three years. Thanks. Three years. Find out when uh, Starfleet the rewatch, Lord. rewatch. Yeah, I hope your fans are ready to wait until 2021 <laughs> to talk about this episode. <laughs> what did you think of that though? Like, what would you? What would would you? Could you understand his reaction if you had those powers? Could you? Could you have held back? Should let's say, let's say it was, uh, you know, <laughs> let's say it was Saima, <laughs> yeah. and you had those powers. Could you hold back, or let's flop, flip it around and say yeah. that Saima, you have the powers, and Jamie's the one that the Husnak, you know, are responsible for killing. Could you have held back, or would you, or do you think you'd have had the same reaction? Uh, honestly, it's tough to say because it's, but I feel like. I get angry at small things happening and I have to be like, it's okay, let it go, let it go, it's okay. It's like someone cut me off when I was taking the subway and I'm like, it's okay, let it go. So I feel like I can kind of understand that on like a small scale. I feel like she would give them a really good talk down. You know what I mean? Just like really, really like passive aggressively nail the, uh, my enemies. Uh, I, I mean, I for one can definitely understand i i mean being angry is is a pretty uh universal response to the to what we consider injustices uh i think if you have like the you know godlike powers then maybe it's just that when you get angry things that are godlike happen you know what i mean it things just everything in your life takes place on a scale that's mm-hmm. way bigger than, yeah, it's true. than any human could could experience, um, and, and it and it does beg the question: like, how does a being of lesser ability, such as I don't know if you want to say lesser ability, but like, we we can't even like we need hammers to break through walls, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how does how does like the Husnak, uh, regardless of their guilt or not? did they all deserve to be extinguished from existence? You know, like that's the real question. And it's like, I think that I, I wonder, I don't know what they were thinking, but I really would wonder to know and get some insight from the writers or from even the actors, like what they put into that performance. Cause it is really heavy. And like, I thought like, I, I thought the actors also, by the way, all did a great, amazing job <laughs> yeah everyone except in that, especially uh, in that scene I, I thought everyone was great except the person i always <laughs> go on about which is uh, um i sorry her name escapes me at the moment counselor, counselor. oh is it counselor Tro- troy yeah yes it you didn't like is. her cra- you didn't think her crazy <laughs> her going crazy uh was was a accurate uh, or realistic look admittedly <laughs> like acting crazy is is 
more difficult than I think it sounds, especially for innately yeah, like pretty human beings. I think it's it's hard <laughs> for them. They don't actually know how to do that. But wow. Uh, but yeah, I, I I didn't think it was a very good performance. That one did not sell me at all. Everything mm. everyone else's performance was was on point. I thought. Uh, what I wanted to mention uh, was that. And this was something I was thinking about during the episode because, as you mentioned, that that ship was basically the Death Star, the uh, the right, enemy right. ship. Um, and I kept trying to figure out if they put that in because it because Star Wars was such a big hit. Uh, but then, what year would this episode have come out? Like, well, it was the uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation is definitely post Star Wars, right. but I think that like. There's been this, like, really long-standing uh, kind of debate in uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better uh, categorization, in the nerdier circles of the, <laughs> right. of sci-fi. <laughs> like, there's been this ongoing debate of, like, what has, like, more firepower, like a Starfleet ship Ooh. or a Star Destroyer? Uh-huh. So there's always, like, these comparisons of, like, how much firepower does the Enterprise actually have? Like, its capabilities versus a, a Star Destroyer, right? And Star Trek fans, I'm a fan of both, uh, but Star Trek fans point out that uh, in in Star Wars, like, it seems like they have shields, but they're, like, rather weak. It's, like, more like it's uh, the shields seem to fail in Star yeah. Wars, like, really easily. I mean, they're right? terrible. They're god-awful. Yeah, they're really terrible. So that's one thing. They also seem to be using, like, laser-type energy weapons <laughs> in Star Wars. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can kind of understand because already, like, a small Star Trek vessel has, like, 10 times more shield power based on what we've seen on on you know the on the television and on the film right so there's 10 times more uh you know shield power and then they use phasers instead of lasers which are like way more powerful mm. like so chances are like if a star starfleet vessel were to like suddenly appear in Star Wars that it could annihilate quite a few star destroyers before it even like felt you know, you'd have right. to do a ton of kamikaze missions at this ship. Like, you'd have to, like, do some crazy shit to, to de- decapacitate it. So that being said, it's understandable that, like, something bigger than the Enterprise, but not as big as a Death Star, might actually be able to ravage a planet in Star Trek. Right. Oh, so yeah. it's completely feasible, then. Good. It is feasible, and I think that they were... Re- they were. I don't know that they were referencing Star Wars, but I went to Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, it felt like it when I was sure. watching yeah. it. Uh yeah. Yeah, that, but that's just because we love Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you? What, so, what did you think of the visuals? So, when I originally saw this episode, I saw it back when it aired, and then I'm sure I've seen it on reruns here and there. So, this is the first time I saw the. Are you guys watching the remastered version on Netflix? Yeah. 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 Oh, perfect. Okay, so this is the first time I've seen it with the updated special effects, and it looks beautiful. Like, if you saw the original effects, you'd kind of probably be like, oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh, like, what's going on? Like, so it's not that they're not that the original effects were bad or anything like that. They were good for the time, but like they wouldn't hold up on HD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the 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 people, the artists that have upgraded those original effects to like the HD, have done extra. They've gone a little extra out of their way. I've noticed the lighting is a little different. Like it's a little more realistic. The Enterprise looks more dark. Like it, you know, in the original show, the Enterprise was oddly illuminated. 
uh, in that. I, so, and you always wondered, like, well, where's this light source? Like, that, that's right. always like kind the of camera. like illuminating. Yeah, I guess, you know, I guess so. <laughs> so these new remastered effects actually make it part of it's in the shadows. So it gives you this yeah. like impression that maybe there's a sun lighting it up or something like that rather right. than like... Wouldn't it be you know. great if there actually was a whole crew, like camera crew following the Enterprise? Like following the And then like the, one of the episodes is just like at the start, like as the credits end, the camera just turns a full 180... And the whole episode is about the crew <laughs> of this other ship that's filming the, the reality TV Enterprise. show. Yeah, and they <laughs> think it's like they just think like they're all such divas <laughs> on that USS Enterprise. <laughs> That'd be a good episode. I love that. Oh my god, I can't believe we have to f- do another Captain Picard confessional scene. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes on and on and on. Uh, man, classic. So yeah, sorry to, to, <laughs> I thought, um, to take us off on a tangent, but uh, I actually did notice the visuals were like too good for that era, that for era, television yeah, for from sure. that era. Uh, in this episode, what, what do you think? Do you? I mean, I enjoyed them. I, I thought they were well done, and it looked very nice. Um, I thought out of visuals, we we're talking um, when they went to that uh, planet. And it just looked like they're like in Southern California in someone's backyard. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. And that's probably what it was, yeah. actually, which is really I'm pretty funny. sure I saw power that's lines true. in the background once they were actually on the ground. Sure. Uh, I did really like the p- big painted backdrop uh, behind the, the the house on on this planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that weird, cool window was neat, too, like a... Like with the cutouts, yes, yeah. so it's very nice. That weird pattern, yeah. There was another uh, cool thing. I don't know if you guys will remember. I don't know how much you guys have been watching just Star Trek, or if you just watch it uh, to come hang out with me for a little. <laughs> you know, bit. We, we we dabble. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I lo- last season when we when we last spoke, like they had different uniforms. So this season they upgraded the I uniforms, noticed. so they got better uniform. You did I notice noticed cool. Counselor Troy is wearing like a green dress now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, eventually, <laughs> we talked about that. That's right. We talked about how she doesn't, get, she doesn't have to wear a uniform. <laughs> That's going to change very soon, and it's a really exciting. Is uh, that, like, I might, a, a plot point in an episode? Yeah, there's going to, there's, yes. Wow. Good. <laughs> it's minor, but it's big, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, it feels big. <laughs> the, um... The other thing is, is that the sets all are lit just a little more dramatically. I thought. I think this season there's a little more darkness, just a little more uh, shadows and stuff like that that they're playing with. And I thought that one scene, uh, it stood out to me where Captain Picard is kind of figuring out the mystery. He's in his ready room, yeah. And Riker walks in, and they're talking. And you see that cool painting in the background. It looks nicer than it did in the previous. Everything oh. just looks nicer. I, I liked when he was in his seasons. room and then he just like is like posed like this thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did notice the lighting in that scene and remarked that it was it was very dramatic. Look, the, sh- the shadows were on point. Uh, mm-hmm. I know I heard that remastering uh, the next generation was tedious, costly, and completely not worth it. Uh, from a strictly, you know, from a revenue 
standpoint, but they really did a great job with it. Uh, it looks good. Yeah, and I, I think that the next generation is the only show that's going to get that treatment um, because it, they, I guess they figured over time they could recoup the investment and the cost of it. But, uh, you know, I do the Drunk Space Nine show with my friend Scott, and yeah. one of our missions is to get Drunk Space Nine remastered. But someone wrote a great article You, you want to get Drunk Space Nine remastered? No, sorry. You, you want to get your own sorry. show remastered <laughs> no, in THX no, we wanna, it, audio. We probably should. It's true. But we want to get Deep Space Nine remastered right. for sure. <laughs> right. Well, that's a popular like, request because I, I read an article about that just this week on the AV Club. Uh, and it sounds like... It is now on record that no one's getting a remaster of yeah, anything. But, but recently, uh, there's been a successful crowdfunding for uh, a Deep Space Nine documentary that that um, that um, Leonard Nimoy's son Adam uh, is, I think, going to spearhead. Oh. And it was completely crowdfunded. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so I think that there is hope for remastering in crowdfunding. Is there a crowdfunder like, out there yet? For I don't know how it works. There's a lot of legal kind of uh, ambiguities in the Star Trek Yeah, like how many, and, how many T-shirts <laughs> can you send someone in exchange for their money uh, for labor? Or... Yeah, all the like all kinds of things, though. Like, uh, there's a, there was a cool fan... For, for a very long time, the, the fan fiction and fan film community has been making really interesting neat star trek stuff i would love if i had like uh resources that i could devote to doing this i would totally like make a star trek fan series (laughs) oh wow yeah Yeah, but my series i would need at least i i think i would need it would be a one i would want to complete a whole season it would have to be a 14 episode season and I would need a budget of at least 10 million per episode. So wow. that's yeah, what like, are, you doing? Yeah. are you filming it in it's, space? It's, it's going to be the greatest Star Trek series ever. It's going to be so huge. But huge. Netflix. I don't know what uh, I just did. Netflix is that, that was great. That was on point. Sorry, sorry. No, no, it was terrible. It was terrific. Huge. That's that's the one thing this podcast needs is more pop culture. More 2017 dysphoria injected into this podcast. <laughs> There's not going to be another Star Trek fan fiction like it. It's going to be the best Star Trek fan fiction yeah. ever. But <laughs> basically, that's what I'm going to do with my 10 million per episode. Wow. <laughs> you'll you'll be on the. Can you uh, like fly us in from Montreal? Is that part of your budget? Your uh, you guys will be consultants. Oh, perfect. Okay. So that way you don't have to fly us in. You can. S- no, you can. No, that's what I'm saying. Is you'll oh, good. you'll have to fly in, good. and so. We'll have a full-time consultancy position during the run of production. Well, so I of don't course. Know. I, I predict it would take a year to make my series. Wait, so what like exactly? So a- why 10 million per episode? There's got to be something that, that that's costing that much. I'd want, like, every, every episode has to read and feel like a film, like a movie, an actual, like, like it'll, the episodes also won't be bound by the 45-minute, there'll be the hour and 30-minute format um and yeah so every every episode is going to be like a very very high high value high production excellent story like fully immersed would you direct it 
experience? I think I would. Good. <laughs> I would at least want to direct like the first episode to set the tone. And yeah, the, and you could get JJ Abrams to do a couple. He's he's out there looking. Yeah, for I work. don't know. I don't know if I could afford him on a ten million per episode budget, but. I would try. I mean, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're pitching this to HBO or Netflix or Amazon, if yeah. any of you are watching. I'm not actually pitching it, but if I were pitching it, yes. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, what were, how did we get off on this idea? Oh yeah, so so the so the 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 doc was crowdfunded funded. So I feel like a remastering of of the other TV series uh, Voyager, which can I think is a good candidate for uh, being able to be remastered a lot easier, just because it was already pretty high value production to begin with. Um, so Voyager and Deep Space Nine uh, could maybe have crowdfunding. Uh, futures, and I just remembered where that TV ta- the TV show tangent came from. So Axanar, which is a really great, uh, uh, they they released like a twenty minute trailer basically, like, uh, and it was going to be a full fan uh, fan film kind of TV series, kind of like what I just described. But they had like a smaller budget, and, one million, but, a, but the biggest. Yeah, I think so. They had, like, <laughs> they had like the biggest fan film budget ever, and they actually were able to. Um, court and acquire uh people who have acted in star trek like a lot of people like um yeah tim russ i think is in it just like a lot of people i I can't i sound like our president right Right. now there's a lot trust me there's a lot of people so many people it's just (laughs) so many people there's so many people involved in this production anyways paramount sued and cbs also sued of course and yeah and so it never got made and so i guess all that crowdfunding has to give get given back or whatever but um you know uh, i think we live in interesting times yeah i mean (laughs) yeah what i did read about that now that you mentioned it it's so disheartening so disheartening to to hear about that yeah i think i think that um i think I, i feel that the you know my personal feeling is that the executives maybe um, did were bound or something like that? But I think they're making a mistake because I think Axonar, had it been successful, would have only garnered more attention to the actual Star Trek right. franchise. And then you also are, you also potentially have a group of talented people that you could just say, "Hey, we really loved your fan stuff. Um, we'd like you to make something more official." And if you can already do it at that budget, like, and you already crowdfunded it before, why don't you keep the same model, but we'll add, like, licensing and we'll help, you know, we'll, we'll make it more official. We'll get, like, t-shirts made or whatever yeah. the, the, you right. know, the studio needs to make money I mean, off as, of it. Yeah, the thing with crowdfunding is as soon as a, some studio or corporate entity is involved, like, that is not the entity trying to put together this pro like if Paramount was involved with Axonar in the next project, had they made this project, uh it it would probably be controversial. I feel like crowdfunding does not go over well the second someone with money is in the room. Like real money, you know what I mean? Like uh like corporate money, millions and millions of dollars. Um But I think that the thing is is that uh, while while I agree with everything you're saying in this case though, I I think Axanar was 
in the wrong because the Star Trek itself, they could have just made their own original concept and not called it that, Star Trek. I was Trek, thinking but they that, ha- like... You know, so it's like there is some kind of beholdenness to... Yeah, so it is a weird... I think it's a weird situation. Right. But I think in, in a normal situation, had I been... Let's say you, you crowdfunded your own, you know, not like a Star Trek or something that belongs to a corporate entity. Um, and then, like, a corporation became interested in your whatever it is you're doing. Uh, yeah, you would have to... You couldn't, you couldn't partake in crowdfunding once you got involved with the corporation. Mm-hmm. But I see no reason why a corporation couldn't come in and, and even further your idea right. or your... You know, and and that's up to you with the as the holder of the concept, you know whether you sell out as we say, right, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you continue to be an independent um, uh, entity. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it, it's difficult. I, I feel like there's no well, there's no money. There's some movies that have been crowdfunded and then made for like b- bigger release. Yeah, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. with movies specifically, you can make your movie crowdfunded and then sell it to a studio is uh, interesting. something you can do. But even then, I feel like that doesn't always play well. As a backer, I've as long as I feel like I'm benefiting in some way, um, I've, I've uh, contributed to several crowdfunded type projects that like... I wasn't contributing on a level where I was going to get like maybe a share of the, let's say it was like a product, you know, uh, and I did $50, but for a hundred dollars, I would have gotten the product. I might've just done the $50 so I could see this thing get made. Cause I thought, Oh, I, that would be really useful in, in my life. You know what I right. mean? So like with star Trek, I definitely wouldn't mind giving like a dollar or $5 to a crowdfunded star Trek project because I, just personally would love to see more Star Trek. Like if I'm going to spend my money on entertainment, I don't mind it being Star Trek. Right. So th- that's just the, that's like, I think the mentality more or less behind, um, crowdfunding. And since it's such a small amount, it's not, it's, it's more or less negligible, um, to, to the person, uh, donating to it, but it, it definitely adds up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I, I guess CBS sued because of their upcoming series on Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, Star Trek Discovery. Do you guys know anything about that, or do you plan to watch it? I know that Brian Fuller is no longer writing the show, which is disappointing. Or, yeah, or he was spearheading it at first. Yeah. He was the show runner. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, but, uh, and, and I also know... Was there, like, a falling out? Why is... Well, he's working on American Gods, I believe, and he just didn't have the, the time, um, and I know... From... Go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. Well, I was gonna say they're they're filming in Toronto, and they, they keep adding to the cast, and, uh, and, uh, but, but the premiere keeps getting pushed back, like, over... It was supposed to have premiered by now, according to the original... Uh, planned release, uh, so I'm a bit concerned about the overall quality of it. I'm 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 afraid it's had some really shaky production, and that that will show. What What are your thoughts? So uh, basically, we're we're aligned uh, from my perspective because I've been kind of following the Star Trek Discovery. Uh, you know, not like I don't go every day onto like the forums or whatever to see what's going on, but I've definitely been paying attention to and seen the same things that you have. Like, excuse me. Um, so I, I, at first, they announced Star Trek Discovery. They and then they said that it was going to be 
really sometime around December. And I just couldn't fathom, like, when they announced the show to the time that right. the series would premiere, I couldn't fathom that there was enough time. They didn't even announce a cast. Yeah. They hadn't even announced, like, you know, anything really. It, was, it sounded like they went from concept. They thought they were going to go from concept to show in, like, four months. And I was like, whoa, that's insane. Yeah. Like, it, it also caused the same concerns then they pushed it back to may and i was like okay i kind of like felt like you could at least put together a couple of episodes to get started and and i don't mind the sherlock thing you know where you're waiting i don't know if i would wait a year for three episodes but like i don't mind waiting like a month well you know three hour and a half episodes ten million dollars (laughs) each it's true you might be able to wait a year (laughs) <laughs> it's true it's true i wouldn't release our star trek series until i had 14 episodes ready to go i feel like this would be like a five-year project <laughs> why 14 no, i don't know i like that number um <laughs> <laughs> doctor who's 14 episodes a season, oh, okay. so i guess that's why but um but going back to discovery now uh, now they've gotten to the point where they've definitely announced more uh more cast members and you can see the productions in in swing because now you've had uh images released of like what the uniforms are going to look like the sets being built like things like that but they've also pushed the date back from may to an undisclosed yeah which i think will be christmas probably like around the holidays it'll probably be a winter It'll birth in the winter, which is fine because uh, all the next generation was birthed in September. So right, that's fine. yeah, <laughs> yeah that's when, fine when there too. was still a schedule to releasing shows. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's gotten to a point where I just I don't even know anymore. I just discover things on Netflix, and it's like, did anyone know that Michael Bolton Valentine's Day special was coming? I knew all about it. Why? I was very excited. I still haven't seen it, though, but I was excited I haven't about seen it. it. I'm just so out of the loop. There's just too much to... What are there, 700 but TV shows wait, now? Uh, Sohail, wait till we come to Seattle and we can watch it together. In August. Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery? I'm, well, I'm, I want to do like a reaction to every episode right after, okay. and I want to be timely, so it all depends on how it's released. Wow. Yeah. You gotta do like live reactions, like you just uh, what do you call it, like a Facebook live video of yourself watching it? No, it won't be that right. Bad. You want you want to take episodes immediately after. I mean, we can fly yeah, down it, to Seattle as soon as the show drops. We'll just oh my gosh, that that'd be great. Yeah, we can do it. That was one of my favorite moments. The three of us just like that, chilling that and talking was so about much Star Trek. Fun. It was a good moment. Yeah. It was a good moment. And now we're doing it again. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Uh, the Star Trek Discovery thing, the last thing I want to say about it is that I have low confidence that I'm going to like it. So if it's awesome, I think that'll be great because I'll, I'll be pleasantly surprised. I, I, I hope that it uh, basically gives the middle finger to the movies that they've made in recent <laughs> memory and goes for a completely <laughs> philosophical, non-action-based show. The way, the way, I mean, you know, there's action in the next generation, but a similar model like that takes that approach, uh, more of a drama, uh, you know, a little more heady and a little less uh, kind of just bulky dudes punching things, you know, well. so... I mean, I I agree that I hope they do that, but I highly doubt it. I mean, so it's, you can hope, right? It could happen because 
when Star Trek The Next Generation aired, uh, the most popular TV shows uh, were all the action and also the police dramas, which were very violent. And Star Trek The Next Generation held its own and went and could have gone in. It could have followed the model of like some of the shows that were out at the time, but it chose not to. I do feel like that Star Trek, that'll be a very important thing, Jamie, is if whether it does that or not. And so I am curious. I have no idea what they'll do. Yeah. But I'm really hoping that you're right I mean, about, I, about it. I, that's why I was so thrilled about Brian Fuller being involved with the project was because I knew I, I especially his most recent series Hannibal was very very much uh, a drama like a very good drama before it was anything else, uh, and so I was confident he would do a good good if not great job with Star Trek, uh, and probably carry on Gene Roddenberry's vision the way. He he would have liked it too, uh, uh, but now I'm not so sure. So who knows? There is uh, there is some hope, and then we have to get back to our episode because we've gone <laughs> we've on this like Star Trek Discovery topic. like huge <laughs> tangent. But what I'd like to say is that what gives me a li- the little bit of confidence that I do have, and I put a lot of faith in Brian Fuller too, but I don't know him as well as Nicholas Mayer who is also attached to the project and is one of the, I think, the consultants and, like, you know, producers and writers for the show. He directed Star Trek II and uh, Star Trek VI, which are widely considered and uh, by myself included to be some of the best uh, Star Trek uh, movies. And then Star Trek II actually changed the course of Star Trek and kind of created a... It was was like a a subtle reboot, if you will. It, It was just like a very, like natural and like um understandable uh aesthetic reboot like he went in a completely different direction but there was enough familiarity with star trek that you were like okay i I dig this (laughs) and actually that's cool and i like it way better than what was happening before so i think that with nicholas Mayer, if he's able to do the same thing for discovery even if and it looks like they are going a little crazy because if what we saw the leaks of recently are Klingons. They look nothing like what Klingons of that era look like. Right. So it is going to be some, there is something going on possibly, but I, I have a lot of confidence in Nicholas Mayer's ability. So uh, that's why I still remain open and right. I'm not like, Oh, it's going to suck. Well, you, you know, you, like, I mean, you can't dismiss <laughs> anything until you've seen it. Seen Speaking it, of true. which, what we have seen is the episode. <laughs> yeah. The survivors. The survivors. So ultimately, I guess, have we talked about everything we need to about the episode? Should we give it a rating? Uh, yeah, yeah sure. I, I don't think yeah. I had anything else to say about. It. Oh, except that uh, Commander Riker being uh, uh, like swung against that <laughs> pole when when he walks into the trap. That was hilarious. I don't know whose that idea was it was to have the pole be so elastic. And to just comically bend when he hit it. Because uh, that had nothing to do... That was not explained anywhere in the episode. I just feel like the writers got really drunk or high. And were just like, wouldn't this be great? And then a few weeks later, the production designers were like, here's this you know, elastic pole you asked for. And they were like, what? And, you know, I, they probably just had to roll with it. But uh, Well, uh, the only other thing I would add is while we were watching the episode... 
I thought the T would somehow be linked to the story. Because <laughs> there's such a large emphasis on T. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was a big thing. That's so true. That's so true. She's like so insistent right. on everyone having the T. And then I thought, well, you actually reminded me, though, that was a really funny scene when Worf is, is like this brute, like basically handling this tiny little teacup. teacup. And then he's like, "Good tea, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice house." Like it was, it was like, very good. Funny. Yeah, it was good comedic <laughs> writing. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, uh, I'll go first with my rating. We do, we're not doing the thumbs up, thumbs down what? anymore. It was highly, it was super rejected by uh, key members of uh, the Starfleet boy uh, conglomerate okay. or continu- okay. you know continuum here. And uh, and so we're going back to ratings, mm-hmm. which is fine by okay. me. So on a scale from one to ten, I give this episode an eight. I really, really loved it. It held up in terms of its emotional um, value for me. And um, I still enjoyed the the caper uncovering itself and like the, you know, the revelations. And even though I knew it was going to happen, it still it still was exciting for me uh, upon the rewatch. So, and then I think it's an iconic episode, uh, just in terms of like the actual story itself and the ideas presented, um, and primarily in the character of uh, um, the Dowd uh, aliens being. I was very intrigued by that, and and I'm still thinking about it. So. Uh, that's a solid eight for me. How about you guys? Can I go first? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I actually was going to give it an eight as well. Uh, I liked the episode quite a bit. I like the love story. I like the alien guy. I like I like a detective story. Um, I like the morality at the end. Uh, overall, I thought it was a very interesting episode. It kept me kind of, um, it kept me guessing the whole episode, and I had no idea what was going to happen. Excellent. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm more of like a six and a half. <laughs> We're like on different ways. Like a six and a half. I liked it. It's definitely a Star Trek The Next Generation episode. When I think of what this show is, uh, all the elements are there in this episode. Uh, I would say, like I said, it's very expository. I think they could have done a better job getting uh, the plot out there in ways that are maybe more organic. Uh Loved the ending. The ending was terrific. I just thought I, uh, they they had to pile on too much information before they got there uh, in the last. Right. It's almost it's almost like someone conceived the ending first and then had to figure out how to yeah. like, make it. I mean, that's happen, actually what yeah. it felt like. Uh, <laughs> as soon as they introduced the char- the 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 character as being this creature, the Dowd. Uh, mm-hmm. and his godlike powers. It got really interesting, but they had a lot of explaining to do. It was a bit sluggish, or not sluggish, but it was just tedious, a lot of information. And then, uh, but what they got to was really great. Um, and also, definitely one point off for the rubber pole. And, <laughs> uh, and because <laughs> that crazy face from our uh, counselor, uh, whose name Troy? I can't remember, Counselor, counselor Troy, Troy uh, was not up to snuff. Um, I'm still like I'm, I'm I'm still waiting for her to really bring it for me in an episode. Uh, <laughs> but aside from that, all around pretty good. Um, excellent. Uh, before, so I think that's pretty good for the episode. It was above a five. <laughs> good. 
And I mm-hmm. think Simon and I both thought it was an eight. So overall, if you average it out, this episode's probably like a seven. It's like a right? seven point seven. Yeah, or something. Seven. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. A few quick things that I forgot to get to on the episode uh, earlier, which oftentimes you'll notice I do things in backwards order. But anyways, <laughs> the the two actors, the John Anderson played um, Kevin Uxbridge. And Rashawn was played by Anne Haney. And Anne Haney I actually recognize because I've seen her in like just... She's just been in a lot of television, I feel. And also, I, I looking at her on IMDb, she was in Mrs. Doubtfire. She was in the movie The American President. So she's I think she's been in a lot of movies, right. too. Um, John Anderson, not as familiar, but also I thought he was a great actor. And so I just wanted to give a shout-out to those two just because I thought, you know, from... You could tell that the their performances were fantastic, and you could just tell that they were like accomplished actors, and that this was kind of probably a special moment for the production uh, to have them on as guest stars. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Yeah, a lot. I thought they did a good job. I agree. Yeah, uh, it's not easy to hold your own across from Patrick Stewart. So no, I know, yeah. and he keeps he gets better and better with every episode. You'll right. see. It's like Captain Captain Picard is a character that I think uh, is is gonna yeah. just already has taken his place somewhere. He's a he, you know, he's Kevin a grower. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> God, wow. He, uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. And on that note, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> I mean, in the unconventional sense of the word, but he really is. He, he, he uh, Patrick Stewart grew into the role. No, he did. I don't know that Patrick Stewart. I think he admits that he didn't even think. The show would last past season. He definitely <laughs> wow. didn't. I was I was at a yeah. Comic Con a few yeah. years ago, and I, I I was at a talk with him and his oh, son. Wow. Oh, I was there too. Right? Yes. Yeah, and he, he mentioned that he thought the show was completely bonkers uh, when he started, <laughs> and he thought it was it was going to be like one and done. So, yeah. Very cool. So I'm I'm glad that he did. <laughs> grow into their I mean, you know, look, I I just, we got the we full... seen him at Comic-Con. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we did. He was a fun guy. Knows how to work a crowd. That's all I'm going to say. I'm sh- I'm sh- yeah, I bet he does. He's He and... I love uh, he and Ian McKellen's just bromance. Oh. It's so... Mm-hmm. It's like the best it's, thing ever. Every now and then I catch it's it. It's the classiest. It's the <laughs> cutest. It's the oldest. It's the best. I I think Second that would make Second only to Jamie and Sohail. Yeah, well, I mean, we've ta- we've remarked that Jamie is perhaps the Patrick Stewart to my Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm. We have actually remarked about this when you came to visit in Florida. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so. I still feel that way. I mean, we're you know we got we got like a long road ahead, but we, you know, I, I think we'll be tweeting real cute things at each other. <laughs> in, uh, in 2042 or 20, I, th- I think so too yeah. <laughs> I look forward to it likewise and uh, and my Pakistani royalty sister <laughs> who I discovered that's a lot uh, we're getting a little too personal we should stop the episode now. yeah I feel like this <laughs> isn't enjoyable like, for anyone yeah, if you're yeah, listening sorry, to this audi- and you don't know audience, us we apologize never mind <laughs> yeah. so hard. if you're listening to this and you don't know us please rate how interesting this episode was because it was very personal <laughs> Just leave a rating out of 10. Maybe they're like, they want to know more. Because sometimes when I listen to podcasts that I like, I like finding out about their personal lives a little bit. 
I, I, I think that's cool, but I really lo- like want to be as on task about Starfleet Boy as possible. Absolutely. So, so please, but that's a testament was, to how much I love you guys. I mean, this, well, I, this, let's treat this like a litmus test. If you're listening to the episode, give a rating out of 10. Let so hell know how much you don't want to hear us talk about our personal lives. And you can let me know at starfleetboy at gmail.com or on Twitter. You can follow us at starfleetboy and uh, also on Tumblr. Uh, just look for starfleetboy on Google and you'll find everything. But ultimately, you can get all your starfleetboy news at starfleetboy.com. And Jamie, do you want to give out your oh, my Twitter information? <laughs> yeah. And Simon, do you have no. Twitter? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, my Twitter handle is at brain doo So that's brain d o o d o o brain doo doo. That's follow. Yeah, I mean, if you enjoy uh, 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 like bitter <laughs> comedy and uh, the occasional uh, righteous uh, tweet about something political, then uh, get on the brain doo doo train. Excellent. So. On that note, live long and prosper, guys. Can you do it? I'm, oh, I'm you can. Being I have trouble doing it, so. <laughs> no, you're not. It's not so bad. And I'll see you next All time. All right. Bye.